most people think. Hello and welcome to episode 60 of What Most People Think. How has your week been? And what, a, what a week it's been in politics, eh? Andy Burnham has become the new king on king of the north, isn't he? He's king of, all, all you got to do basically is be the king of the north, evidently, is tell Boris to fuck off. He became, he became like sort of like a, a Mancunian braveheart, didn't he? Fuck off, all right, we, we, we just want our freedom, that's all we want. In the sunshine. Sorry, it had to be done. It had to be done. I've got to be honest, man. I got a bit fed up with politics generally this week. They, they've all been playing politics, haven't they? All of it. Apart from the Lib Dems, who would, who would love a go, wouldn't they? Please, can we play some politics, please? And uh, listen, we, we've got a guest this week. We've got a guest. And I, I don't want to duck out of the politics completely, but um, I just wanted to talk to somebody because I had one of those weeks, I don't know about you, where just everybody was pissing me off, you know. And I felt like a lot of the narratives were kind of a bit performative. Like, I kind of felt like Manchester would obviously end up getting more than 22 million. I kind of felt like the Brexit talks would continue, you know. And then we have this this three-act play on social media where everyone acts like uh, those things weren't going to happen. But yeah, we had Angela Rayner calling uh, a Tory politician scum. And you kind of think, look, I think it's possible to both think that maybe the government should have extended the free school meal thing and then that similarly maybe don't call other people scum. In Parliament, you know what I mean. If that had been a right-wing uh, politician that had done that, you imagine if Jacob Rees-Mogg had said that. You know what I mean? Like it would have been said, well, because they're right-wing, it's some sort of incitement to violence or something. But um, if anyone looks like they could actually beat the shit out of somebody, it's Angela Rayner. Uh, <laughs> well, there you go. but this is what most people think. You know, this is coming from the revolutionary point of view that maybe both Boris and Andy Burnham are acting like dicks. You know, the fact that Andy Burnham is likable. Doesn't mean that he's always right. People are tweeting, yeah, Andy Burnham's my guy. What, the guy that you found out about like a fucking week ago? Suddenly you've all been... Because lest we forget, he was a candidate at the Labour leadership election in 2015. So I don't want to hear all Labour people like, you know, you should have been like everyone else. You should have been into his early stuff, man. But uh, listen, we will just welcome the patrons this week. We've got new patrons, David Kerr, £10 patron. Big boy in the room, David Kerr. Gaz for jazz, despite me making some fairly predictable jokes about his name sounding like uh, an email address from the late 90s. He, he's back in, he's upped his... Maybe he likes humiliation, but I, I met Gaz and his lovely missus after the gig uh, in Newcastle, and uh, he actually gave me advice about the plantar fasciitis that I suffer with in my feet. And uh, Graham Reed as well, is a new £10 patron, and Susan Anton. Thank you so much for your support. The Patreon, if you want to get involved, it's the thing that keeps it weekly and ad-free. I've had a couple of approaches about having advertising. I don't want to do that. And as long as the Patreon stays stable and is growing, then we can keep things going uh, as they are. Another thing that we do, we have a cuss count, which is a weekly track of swearing on the podcast, because we all know swearing is big and it is clever. So this, this is quite a varied palette of swear words this week. One arse, one arsed. One bollock, one cunt, four fucks, three fucked, one fuckers, 23 fuckings. So we're we're getting back to sort of normality there from the ONS data five-year average of fuckers, fuckings. Do those two count? Probably. Uh, two prick, two pricks, six shit, one shittest, two shitty, one shite, and one twats, which uh, works out uh, as an average of 1.24 swears a minute. I mean, that's, pre- that's pretty high. That's ticking over... That's ticking over pretty nicely. That's sort of Johnny Bairstow when he's on when he's on form. Um, 
we're going to have, we've got a guest this week. We've got a guest, a uh, brilliant comic called Mark Nelson, a Scottish comic. If you heard my Radio 4 show uh, last year, with Jeff Norcott's withdrawal disagreement, <laughs> which always ended up to me just sounding like, like I didn't want to admit the kid was mine. Um, but we had Mark on the show. He's a very funny man. He's Scottish and he's pro, well, he, he he's pro-independence. Certainly that was my impression. But we had a very interesting interview because I think he's politically, first up, a very funny man, but politically very, very interesting. So we spoke about everything. We spoke about Scottish independence. We spoke about how people feel about Sturgeon up there. We spoke about... We spoke about lockdown. We spoke about football. You know, it just—it was great to catch up with him. He's a top bloke, and I, th- I think you're gonna—I think you're gonna like this interview. You know, we we disagreed on some things, we agreed on some things, but I think the, you know, given how central Scottish politics are in our dialogue, I thought it was a good time to speak to somebody um, north of the border. And we're gonna crack into that actually because it was a great interview, and I don't want to cut it down too much because there's not really much of you know, that you'd want to lose from it. I'll just quickly do a thank you and a fuck you. Thank you to all the people that came to my tour shows last week. So I did them in Worthing, uh, in Newcastle and in Birmingham. And it was funny, like, because at the beginning of each show, everyone was kind of like, are we, are we allowed, are we allowed to do this? You know what I mean? It's like, it was like they were prisoners that just suddenly got freed in a prison break. They were just walking around kind of like confused. Uh, and also at the beginning, everyone had to get used to the fact that people, people at some of the venues were wearing... The, the surgical masks and it did look as somebody on Twitter pointed out to me like a load of expectant dads at a birth and I was like the child coming out on stage but they were, they were great shows man Worthing was fun uh, Newcastle always always love gigging um, in Newcastle and I, I don't know if you're the lad that came and sat near the front row called Cameron but um, as I said to you on the night mate sometimes it's best not to get involved. I, th- I think he, he learned a valuable lesson about getting involved with a comedian when they're on the stage. But uh, but thank you to everybody that came to those. The, the other thing that was funny is the venues, because of social distancing, had to space everybody all around the room. But what it looked like, right, was like they'd done that to make it look more full. Like, you know, if you've ever organised a surprise party and it wasn't that well attended. And then they go, let's just, let's just all spread out. Everybody spread out, spread out. Uh, you know, it will hurt his feelings otherwise. He's drove all the way up the fucking A1, poor lad. Just to fuck you before we crack on with the interview of Mark, he's having to get up at normal time for work. I had to do that this week at 7am and I am not match fit for that. I didn't realise how dark it was then. I was just confused, scared, sad, sort of like te- a bit tearful even. I, I just, my brain... The other thing as well is about getting up that early is that the brain does not... You know, it's like when you've got an early flight, isn't it? Instead, of, if the brain had evolved, it would go, oh, right, time to shut the fuck up now and let this prick get some sleep. But, oh, no, the brain's like, oh, maybe I'll just chatter incessantly forever and, uh, you know, leave him with about four and a half hours kip to work off. So I went in and did a good day's work and, and worked with a very interesting person, which I might be able to talk about uh, in the fullness of time. What an annoying tease that was. That is what, I mean, what's that even mean, Jeff? I was doing, I can't say it, so I should never have said it. And I probably should edit this bit out, but fuck it, I'm a prick. Um, but what I did have was a cafe lunch. And you know, like if you've had a start to the day that wasn't great, you kind of soldier through the first bit of the day. Oh, soldier through, Jeff, what writing jokes was it? That's what people, <laughs> I know I get some proper blokes listening to this, they're out in the cold, like actually building things. Oh, bless you, Jeff, bless you. My heart goes out to you. Uh, but I went and had um, a cafe lunch and it was, I had sausage, chips, eggs, and, uh, two eggs and beans. And my God, like, this is where people don't understand about British food. It's all about texture. None of those things had any flavour apart from the pepper that I put on. And it was the best pepper for a cafeteria. It was like the milled 
sort of white pepper, you know, the nasty shit your nan used to have. And a really strong cup of tea, and I just, I just felt, I just felt very happy about that. So you know what? Sometimes I'll do the pret at lunch. You know what I mean? I'll do the Thai veggie soup every once in a while. I just want to eat the same food that I would have had when I was at school. Okay, let's get on with the chat now with the one and only Mark Nelson. So welcome to what most people think, Mark Nelson. Hello, how are you doing, Jeff? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Look, obviously, we're, I'm aware of your politics, mate, and I want to jump straight into this. Um, you, you're pro independence, right? So, um... oh, have you <laughs> no, changed? Or no, were, were you? Have I read this wrong? I was. I was hugely pro independence, uh, but the past seven months have made me waver slightly. Shall we say? This this is a fascinating because I I was not ready ready for this. So hmm. so unpack that for me a little bit, mate. Because first up, we should say that in Scotland. People would be surprised at how few comedians were openly pro independence, right? It, <laughs> yeah, we were a dying breed at the time. Yeah. They love a bit of establishment, really, don't they? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely love it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it was, it was massive. I mean, it's, it, it's very much like anywhere, really. I mean, if you, if you came out, because, the, because independence is, is so heavily associated with SNP. Hmm. You came if you came out with anything against independence at the time, you were considered heartless. And uh, yeah, it was another one of these binary arguments. And again, yeah. m- m- people won't be aware of this that there was this phenomenon the cybernats. Could you explain what hmm. what the cybernats were? <laughs> the cybernats were like you know the kind of the kind of wanks that sit and play computer games and then will go on like 4chan and stuff like that, and they'll. See, that was basically them, but for politics. It was right. it was it was wee guys sitting there trolling the internet daily, trying to find any criticism of the SNP or the independence movement, and then showing how caring and thoughtful they were by yeah. basically calling for these people to be hung in the street. That's good. I mean, in a way, this was like a prequel to everything that we know. I mean, people forget. That this this period of democratic discord that we we've had really started in 2014. It's almost like the forgotten yeah. prequel. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. How it's toxic the, did it phantom, get? Phantom menace. Of the, it is the phantom yeah. menace. But but at that time, like like me with Brexit, obviously there were people on the Brexit side that weren't. You know, you know. I think most Brexit voters were decent. There were certainly some unpleasant ones. Mm-hmm. You found yourself on that side, and did you vote yes in 2014? 2014, I voted uh, for independence. You voted for independence, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, like you say, there was, there, there's, there's always going to be an extreme branch of tossers when it comes to such a big... I mean, we, we, had, we had the kind of... You got these kind of people the same when uh, Scotland was at incredibly low levels during the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. You had, you had these dicks standing at the border, <laughs> like, in the middle of a motorway. And I... <laughs> On a side verge with the signs up saying English people go home. It was ridiculous. Well, I mean, that is the thing, isn't it? The, the, the SNP, one thing that they've been successful in is that they've got the word nationalist there, but it's not viewed in the same way as... And if I'm honest, I don't think it is the same as perhaps some of the more populist version of nationalism, but it's not totally not there, is it? Uh, no, I mean, it definitely is cuddly nationalism. And it is... I think, it, I think, I think the makeup of the UK makes it so different. Uh, in that 
nationalism in other countries that already have their kind of own autonomy mm. is looked at as a kind of we're better than everyone else. We don't need anyone else. And that kind of yeah, yeah, that is quite a crucial I difference. To, yeah. I hate to say it, Rangers way of thinking. <laughs> 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 right, let me just check the clock here. What was it? How many minutes have we got on before you got to dig out on Rangers? That's good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that whole nobody likes us, we don't care kind of attitude. Yeah. Uh, Mill, Millwall, you know, down, down yeah. south. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of, the people that kind of revel in that being hated by people. I mean, we know people in the comedy industry that absolutely revel. And the fact that everybody thinks that are well, I mean, the thing is, a lot of people do think I'm a wanker, but I don't revel in it, unfortunately. Mm. That that's the real shame yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, is I can't enjoy like the bad guy status. Yeah, um, it generally hurts you. So. <laughs> yeah. How 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 involved did, did you get? How vocal did you get at the time of that referendum? Um, I mean, it's probably the first time I've become properly vocal about about politics on social media. Yeah. Um, and it was it was probably for the first time I started doing that kind of stuff on stage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to admit, I think I, so. I did, yeah, I did my it was my 2000, 2014, I think it was 2014 or 2015, either, either before or after the referendum. I did uh, my show in Edinburgh completely about it as well. So that was the kind of first time I had been properly vocal on stage. And were there any other like acts? Because like you know, you're you're a great actor. The Fringe, you sell well. Um, were there any other acts of, of your level and above Scottish comics who were being openly pro independence at that time? Not a lot. Uh, not a lot of solo shows. Anyway, I did another show with uh, Paul Sneddon and Kieran McAllister, which was a, a kind of it was almost like a, a kind of live podcast, which was a politics show. Yeah they'd been doing up until then. But I remember getting asked by journalists and stuff on the lead up to it, asking whether I would be, whether I would be discussing the referendum in, in sta- on, on stage and in my shows. And then I said, well, of course I will. I think, I think if you were a stand-up and you're not talking about these kind of things, but it's such a massive thing going on in the country, you're not really doing your job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially if, if you are a kind of, if you are the kind of comic that does Topical stuff, or even, even, even observational stuff. I mean, I'm never going to expect. Uh, I'm never going to expect fucking Harry Hill to suddenly break out in there. But if, yeah, if, <laughs> if you're a comic that talks about everyday things, then surely. Well, think- yeah, and and observational humour is based on things that everyone's experienced, right? Yeah. And and that's why you. It's a really good point. I've never even thought about it that way. What politics has become a form of observational humour and obviously you would always do social commentary yourself because you you wouldn't all you wouldn't just talk about politics for an hour it'd always be a mix wouldn't it oh god no yeah 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 oh i mean like it's it's a kind of evolutionary thing because i mean as you know it's it's difficult it's difficult to do an hour-long show yeah Uh, and i think when you're talking about the scottish referendum being the first kind of wave of this Mm. type of uh, discussion in Britain, at that time, a lot of people had no idea who or what you were talking about. Anyway, mm. uh, I mean, even like we, we, I've tried to set up topical nights up in Scotland, and you end up having to get up because people people don't have a fucking clue who Willie Rennie is, 
Or, I mean, it literally every joke comes down to the fact that it sounds like he's indigestion in his cock. That's literally <laughs> the only joke you can make about Willie Rennie because nobody else has a clue who he is. What was interesting to me there about what you said was, you know, like other kind of pro indie comics. I'm sort of getting the vibe like the other working class ones. I mean, like, is, is there a thing with middle class Scottish comics are more likely to be... In the same way that, that, like, the Leave Remain thing, I'm not asking you to name names, but in the same way, like, the Leave Remain thing came down, is, you, it was, that, you know, not just with comedy, but culturally, it was that reminder that the liberal middle classes were a form of establishment in themselves. Not that's definitely a bad thing, but it wasn't something that we'd really reflected on. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, absolutely. There's, a, there's definitely a kind of level of people in our industry that they, they'll never want to rock the boat. Because they know it's a good boat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, know, they know they're getting fed by it, and they know they're getting. I mean, I know because I know people like I know people just now that are on radio up here. They're not comics. They're mm. DJs and stuff that are that want to talk about stuff that's going on, but they, they are, they're banned. I mean, they are actually they will lose their jobs if they mention if they were to say anything on Twitter about anything. Because it really, I mean, like when I speak to Scottish people about that referendum, it's almost like it's almost like a bad thing happened in the family. Like there's a look that comes over, and it's like, oh, we don't talk about that. I don't. Brexit isn't quite the same. It's more like an open sore. Whereas there's this kind of Scottishness of like, or oh, we went there, it was really bad. We, we were trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's, that's Scottish people in our like. Does I mean there will be there will be Scottish people that wanted independence. But we'll also have been quite happy that they didn't get it because it meant we could keep moaning <laughs> for the rest of the time. Because for a lot of us, I mean, yeah. if we don't, I mean, if we if we qualify, sorry, bring football up again. But if we yeah. qualify for the Euros, then I don't I don't think we'll know what the hell to do with ourselves after the initial celebration. Yeah, yeah. The fact that we can't moan and criticise people anymore, but it takes <laughs> an entire half of our identity. So, yeah. I mean. Going back to because so just to get your sort of political character fully out there is is but on leaving the EU um, you you were pro Remain pro Remain fair yeah. to say yeah and 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 that's still how you feel now oh absolutely hugely yeah. Mm. yeah and so like do you what I'm interested in is is and it's been brought up before is 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 there's obviously that that point that you can make about the paradox of n- not wishing to leave a successful union unless it's one that you can get to by train sort of thing you know yeah. And, and that is one of the reasons why I've kind of uh, been revisiting and struggling with what I'm actually thinking now, because it is it is a complete paradox hmm. of uh, shouting about the fact that we are we are leaving uh, the biggest trading block and all of our trading partners, but we would leave we would then happily leave a country that we trade ninety percent of our stuff with. Um, Again, I think it's I think it's different because of the makeup of it all. Um, mm. I think I, I, I don't kind of buy into the idea of how much Britain was curtailed in the decisions they were making, whether they were part of the yeah. EU. Whereas we are. I mean, we. I mean, a lot of stuff has devolved, um, but there's a lot of stuff that isn't. I mean, ongoing in this pandemic, it's it's provided the SNP for the perfect. Yeah. The perfect excuse to be able to lock things down without any real consequence, because if they lock businesses down, they 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 blocked down the hospitality industry for another week yesterday. 
And when anyone brings up, well, how are these businesses going to survive? They can simply turn around and go, we don't have the resources because we're not getting the money from Westminster. Just chipping in on the chat here with Mark. Hope you're enjoying it. I've got a few new £5 patrons. There was, there was quite a few patrons last week. You had another lady, Amy Lindley. That's two ladies this week. And ladies, I'll do, do a little special deal for ladies, you know. You want photos? <laughs> you got photos. I'm, I'm a whore. What do you want? I'll, I'll do it. Um, Craig Elder. Craig Elder. It'd be, just be fantastic, Craig, if you were unbelievably immature. That would be the greatest thing. You know, like people who have names that don't really stack up. Like if your name, I always think that girls' names put pressure on them. Like if their name was Harmony and they couldn't sing for shit, you know what I mean? Or their name was Destiny and their life had turned out really bad. <laughs> like they, they were, no, I'm not going to say. Uh, uh, Daniel Connolly. Did we not have a Daniel Donnelly last week? Is this the same bloke? You, you fucking Kaiser Soze of Connolly Donnelly. But it's good to have you on board. Thank you very much, all those new £5 Patreons. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, in terms of tour shows now, I've done the bulk of the ones that I had left um, this year. Obviously, yeah, rate, recommend the podcast. That's one of the best things you can do to me. Subscribe to it, because I know some of you still, get, preferably for your iTunes, and leave a, a five-star review, and I'll, I'll read it out, because it, it does help. And yeah, man, just get involved with the Patreon, because there's good stuff coming. There's good stuff. There's something coming next week. If you saw my clip online... I did about lockdown material from a gig at Comedy Unleashed. There's going to be something coming next week exclusively to patrons, which I think you might like. Well, a great sales pitch, Jeff, there, which I think you might like. I haven't told you what it is. <laughs> I've said it's coming next week, and I think you might like it. There you go. Salesman of the Year. I think, I think it's really fascinating to catch you at this point because the last thing that people ever do at the moment is admit to political uncertainty, right? It's almost like no one ever openly even considers changing their mind. I wonder about Sturgeon in her private moments where she sort of thinks, at this point, everyone thinks I'm basically the Prime Minister of Scotland, right? That's, how, that's who I am to people. You know, Scotland does have this over-representation per head in Westminster. You know what I mean? There is this kind of perennial fall guy Um so you know, it kind of would seem like potentially a sweet deal. But then you talk about your paradoxes. I then think, yeah, Jeff, people could say that to you about Europe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, exactly the same thing. So I, I'm finding the longer all these political arguments go on, um, I find myself running up against them. And I know, yeah. I know that with, with the SNP yourself, you've had little bits of disillusion of late. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, like, when it comes to Nicola Sturgeon, I think Nicola Sturgeon is an incredibly good politician and I think is vastly... And I, and I don't even think she would really need to do that much to look head and shoulders above anyone else. Yeah, uh, that's fair. And I kind of, a criticism that I don't like that is levelled at her is that the fact that she's, she's she's done our briefings every single day for the past seven and a half months. And mm. she's been there and she's been the forefront of them. And people are calling this like a kind of dictatorial, uh, power-hungry person that won't allow anyone else to take these briefings. I think it's completely opposite. I think she knows how useless the rest of her cabinet are. Uh, she genuinely doesn't trust anyone else to take them because that one day that she lets John Swinney take it is the day that the argument gets set back years because he's made some balls up of it. Would you say in Scotland that, that the estimation of her has gone up during the pandemic? Yeah, I think from most, regardless of what kind of... Credence you put in polls. Um, any poll that's taken in how well they're handling the pandemic 
Nicholas Sturgeon always comes out very, very well in it. Mm. So, and people I speak to, and to be honest, me in general, I think she has handled it well. I don't think she has handled it perfectly, which some people don't like you admitting and don't like you questioning. But uh, overall, I think she's done as well as she possibly could have. I mean, how does it feel for you? Like, I mean, you more, you know, obviously you've got your frustrations with hospitality being, being shut. I mean, I, I know that down here, I've been surprised at how few people give a fuck about going out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. How's, how's it up there? Would you say it's more that way than you get the impression in England? Are people more happy to have big state and to be locked down in their houses? Or It's really weird um, because... Again, because you've got your own kind of bubble of what you think and what your friends and stuff think. I mean, like, you, you kind of pointed out online about when the YouGov poll came out about how much people were supporting the new measures. And then there was a huge majority that think the measures don't go far enough. And it was, it's eye-opening that people still think like that because I thought eight months into it, people would now be starting to get so, not even, not even where they're actively against it, I think I thought mm. I thought fatigue would have set in so much that people would just would go, you know what? I don't even give a shit anymore. It's, uh, but up here, a lot of people seem to be seem to be very very pro lockdown. This is uh, weird, isn't it? It's just weird it, to be like pro. Not and you go like you know some people you go the, you get the impression that they're saying it because of the facts and because of the risk, right? And as much as I may have my questions about that, you, you understand. Some people are just into it, man. Like yeah. they just they just dig it as a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it'll be interesting. I mean, it will really will be interesting to see what happens when this furlough completely goes, because whenever you dig down into people that are quite happy for these things to continue, they, you realise that they've got really no skin in the game at all. No, and totally. They, they've been quite happy to sit and have their wages paid for them. Like, there was a guy telling me last week that his, his mother-in-law is going back. She works for the council, so she's been on full pay the entire time and she was moaning about the fact that she's got to go back to work three days a week i mean that's just so enraging it like you think yeah. you talk about what makes you more small can see conservative as you get older is yeah. you realize <laughs> you realize that that just not saying that that is are the overwhelming but there's plenty of people that do think like that and how quickly people can get complacent i mean i think like when you look at those polls you sort of think okay how many people are on fixed incomes one way or another i.e they're employed by the states and not going to get made redundant if they're health service teacher whatever social worker right how many people on pensions right how many people haven't got mortgages how many people are anti-social how many people have got big houses and big gardens you sort of think i don't think any of those fuckers should be allowed to answer the question no but yeah i mean and and it comes down to the fact of Whenever I have discussions with these kind of people, uh, they always say, oh, well, the only reason that you want things to open up is because your work's affected by it. And the only reason I wanted schools to be back was because I could see the effect it was having on my kids, them mm, not being yeah. school and them being around their friends. And they're going, yeah, but you're not thinking. And I was going, and that's my priorities. Uh, they have other priorities. People that are quite happy, that don't have any kids, or that are quite happy, or are genuinely worried for their health, that's fair enough. Mm. You can have those priorities, but I'm not telling you not to have those priorities. You are telling me that I can't. Well, it's a problem. It's almost like what it then gives rise to is like that simplistic notion of good and evil between left and right. Is it then comes down to this word rampant. You want it to rip through the community. And they're just trying to find the most emotive 
way of, of, of or quickest way of winning an argument. Yeah. One of my fears is that the this the, the generation like our kids right now, you've got kids maybe a little bit older than mine, is we'll have to account for this one day. And yeah. it's gonna be really hard. In I mean it's harder, it'll be harder to justify in future. How how do we justify the levels of debt that they will they will have? You can't you can't justify it. You can just say, well, I was on the right side, son. So I was <laughs> I was quite happy to open things up. But uh... that's why I'm tweeting stuff, to be honest, for posterity. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't go too far because obviously, if the pandemic then really kicks up and we lose a yeah. few million, I need to <laughs> I need but to hedge. Yeah. But the problem is, the problem is, you're not you're not you're you're generally not allowed to. <clears throat> you're not you're not allowed to express a, a point of view. Where you go, well, I actually am thinking about people's businesses and I'm thinking about, and it's not purely for my own <coughs> thing, because I've managed to, as I say, diversify and find other yeah, things yeah. that I can do. But I don't want it. I don't want it things to come back where I walk down Glasgow City Centre and even more things are boarded up than they were already. You know, I, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to visit cities where there's only two restaurants open because they're the only ones survived, or that nobody's going out anymore and there aren't any music gigs. I don't want to. That that's what I worry about. What most people think. You can only really, you can only really talk about and fight for the industry that you're actually in. Mm. And I've been I've been talking a lot about it in Scotland as well. And if I was in the aviation industry, I'd probably be shouting from the rooftops about the fact that there was no support for them. If I was a hairdresser, I'd be doing the same. If I owned a soft play, I'd be doing the same. But I can only really do it for my industry and I so so given been. that there has been like some support from the industry is that the issue do you are you were you hoping that it might be more some of it go to the performers as, as such well up here nothing nothing's been given out at all yet um the money has gone into creative scotland and what what's been what's been interesting is stand-up especially <clears throat> has never been recognized by creative scotland previously uh so there's been the extra fight of getting them to even recognise it as an industry within the arts to be considered to be given this money. And then there's going to be a thing today about a hardship fund that's going to come out and then for venues and stuff, there was various criteria. And it's, 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 it's been a long kind of battle in terms of trying to get any kind of funding coming in. And even, even the length of time it takes where money... I mean, that I, I can't remember when Sunat gave over that one and a half billion... But, I mean, it was a good two months ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I was, I was, I was on uh, presenting on Times Radio at the time, and I remember yeah. the, the the pressure built, and then they sort of suddenly said, "Well, we love comedy. What are you talking yeah. about? We've we've we, we're so we've always been about the comedy. We were just yeah, waiting." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and, and yeah. so there's still not been, and that's uh, that's the point is that the money obviously might come from Creative Scotland, but the reassurance isn't there yet. No, it's not, and it's that's two months, and they have said well, these kind of things take time, but a lot of the venues don't have time. Uh, so that money needs to be distributed much earlier uh, to allow these places to survive. Um, and I, I hope that there will be support for performers as well, but I just need to wait and see. But do you, but do you know, the problem is, like, with the, the, the great British public, right, is, <laughs> is that if you have a package of support for performers, in inverted commas, it's really, we know in our industry, like you and I are professional com com comedians, there are tiers, right? Mm. And what, I mean, like some old clogger, you know, on the open mic circuit, what are, 
the criteria because then you could say well it's about financial threshold but then that seems not progressive because you're sort of rewarding the people that have earned well out of it mm. but then someone who's literally hanging in there that's mm. <laughs> at the yeah. same same 20 since like the early noughties. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really uh, hard. I can't think of a way of how you do it that doesn't piss someone off. That's the problem. I don't, I can't think of any, uh, the way you do anything without pissing someone <laughs> off. Like, That's true. But I think, I mean, I'm not, I, 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 I wouldn't expect to get anything anyway. Um, but the, what I would like to see, I, I would like to see some form of, dialogue where funding doesn't need to be just given to people. I would like to see people, I would like to see some kind of framework be created where people can still work mm. rather than having to, having to sit and wait and rely on a handout because the uncertainty of sitting there waiting to see whether Rishi Sunak will increase the self-employment grant from 20% up until January isn't good for anyone. Mm. So it would be better, it would always be better if they just said, look, that's it, done taps off and then you could plan and start going right well I will go and get another job uh, or I will retrain or something or I will do something like that um, or there could be some kind of dialogue where let's see how we can safely open these things back up um, well yeah I mean the thing is you work you, you want you want to work I mean I do think like you were saying earlier about um, people that were kind of riding the furlough the, the the first concern I had with that was when people started calling it the furlough. Like yeah, that just yeah, sounded... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, he's ready in the furlough. You know, yeah. like it, it just, just became a thing that people... It's amazing how quickly people can just get entitled to, to thinking that, you know. And I, I mean, I don't, think it's, I, don't, I don't think it was as widespread as people, as people would make out. But... Uh, no, I like to think that, Mark. You know, like the, the right-wing tabloid <laughs> in me. I'm like, these yeah. fucking people out there... coining the money i mean i did start i did get really angry about teachers at one point that was my big fury it's like was the idea that they were going um i'm actually working harder than ever in lockdown and i was like come on yeah 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 yeah, like just play it at a level that's plausible you're working like are you working harder than ever Uh, well did you have to homeschool uh, no, see, this is where it's easy for me to say is because my, my kid was just before that age. How many kids have you got? I've got two. So, yeah. And one of them was one of them was at nur- one of them was at nursery. He started school now, uh, so he had he had nothing to do. Yeah. But, uh, my wee girl, uh, she had work. She had she was getting homework sent home. And when you say like teachers were working as hard, well, teachers were working harder than ever. At like. You have to remember that some of these teachers, like I, I was on and trying to talk them through how to do things like a Zoom call. And I mean, the technical know-how just isn't there. The well, used to face-to-face and they never really, they've got a techie guy at the school and he does it, he, he plugs everything and he deals with that. Whereas suddenly you've got them fucking up, setting up team meetings and all this kind of shit. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a nightmare. Well, those and also those are the same people that would would have a panic attack wheeling an overhead projector into the room. Do you remember that? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's a, this isn't their, this isn't their skill set. Just sort of picking your brain because I'm interested in like I think your political character is really kind of non-typical in a way. Where where were you at as as the drive for the whole second referendum thing comes? Did you think that that was something that should have happened? Were you pro um, that? Not really, no. 
because, largely because I thought it was it would never happen, uh, and I thought it was a, uh, and I now look back and think that a hell of a lot of wa- oh, a hell of a lot of time was wasted on that, yeah. uh, and it's time that really could have been used. Now where we're staring down the barrel of uh, leaving with if it is any kind of deal. I mean, I mean, when, when people think back at the time when you had a huge amount of Tories screaming about Theresa May's deal and then Labour just rejecting it completely. That's pretty much the best that it could have gotten. And if that, Yeah, if you were into a soft Brexit, there it that, was. That was it. It was if, if at that point I'd accepted that it's gonna happen. I don't want it to happen, but it's gonna happen. So mm. softest that you come out impossible. And that was, I mean, that was basically still being the EU. Yeah, it was Brian, yeah. wasn't it? Brexit in yeah. name only. Yeah, but your name isn't above the door anymore. That, like, it's almost like you, you still go to school, but you've had your coat peg taken away. That yeah, was... you just downgraded your subscription very slightly. on. Something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and then and the, the, sheer, the sheer arguments and division over that, which now looks utterly fucking ridiculous. I think history is going to look not very well on that. I mean, yeah. the, the thing was, was all the opposition parties, because you remember when the Tories were just getting defeated week in, week out? Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like, you know, like when Man, you, you thought, oh, Man United will never be shit, and then suddenly like they're losing all the time, and yeah, it yeah, seems yeah, yeah. inconceivable. And it did seem that like the Labour Party sort of got addicted to giving the, the, the government a bloody nose, and then... Mm-hmm. The thing that, and this is where Keir Starmer gets off lightly for me, was it, that was exactly the kind of wishy-washy kind of like sort of pastel Brexit that, that he he should have been leading for. Very possibly. They, they very possibly think they could have forced a second. I mean, they would have seen, I mean, the fact was there was absolute turmoil going on in the Commons at the time. I mean, when you know, it's about, easy to forget. When you it? think about what was actually happening around then, uh, so they probably did think they could force something. And then the Lib, the Lib Dems set themselves up as the actual anti-leave party. Revoke. Yeah, that was. And they, that's <laughs> they did that on the basis of that uh, of that. What was it? The the uh, e petition, didn't they? They were yeah, like, yeah, yeah, they yeah, literally yeah. went a oh, six million number. The thing about that, that e petition was, I sort of thought the same people that seemed to be saying that, that Russians could interfere like in a virtual way in our elections, we're suddenly saying that this thing that was based on Gmail addresses should yeah, yeah, really, yeah, yeah. really form the injury. The reason, your, your sort of reluctance for a second break, um, referendum, was that maybe, like, did, could you see in that that if Scotland had voted yes, was there a part of you that saw, we are reckon that would have happened to us too sort of thing? Was there a democratic part of you that, that wasn't I, I, sure? To be honest, I never, I never actually thought about that. Um, do you think that they would have if Scotland had voted yes in 2014 do you think they would have found some way I don't know I don't know I mean they'd probably have done a similar Scotland thing wouldn't they like a similar to a Theresa May deal where they go Scotland is definitely independent they're just going to keep a few MPs in the Commons and you know still going to keep the Queen (laughs) see I'd have liked it I'd have liked to have thought if if we did vote yes then and then it was try anything was trying to be revoked, we would kind of rise up against it and have that kind of storm down to Carlisle Castle and shit. But I know mm. we're as fucking lazy and as accepting and passive as every other. <laughs> so. Do you think do you think that now obviously with what's happened? And the thing is, I my view has changed somewhat. I, I am pro the union. No, I want Great Britain to stay together, right? And the United Kingdom. And I but I equally, as I've gone further down the line and see the way people have resisted democracy, you do sort of think, I mean, 
the material situation did change. I mean, that was one of the things I said. This will be no referendum unless something really big changes, right? And Brexit is something pretty big. I mean, I do. You, do, you, do you think a like? I know that you're not sure how you would vote now, but do you think that there should be a second referendum soon? Yes, I think. Well, I think a lot of it depends on next May. Um, hmm. So the, next May is is Scottish elections. Elections, right? yeah. Yeah. If the SNP return a huge majority then I think there is definitely a mandate there for a second referendum. And I think it should be granted. Uh, because, like you say, I mean, there is that old joke of it was, it was only supposed to be once in a generation. And you go, well, this has pretty much been a generation in Scotland. Like, you've gone through, we've gone through two generations so far. <laughs> this pandemic's going to make it a third. Uh, it, <laughs> yeah, it's life expectancy, man. Yeah, that exactly. generation was done. <laughs> So, but yeah, I think things have changed hugely, and you can remember that people were told. I mean, it was it was one of the main one of the main arguments that uh, Osborne and Cameron put ahead was that if you want to remain in the mm. EU, vote to remain in the union, and and there's a lot of people that would have based it on that uh, because there was a scaremongering of if you leave, you'll never get into the EU, they'll never accept you. Spain will reject you because then that will open up a whole Catalan argument. Um, and now that that has changed. So, yes, I think there is scope for another referendum. I mean, we know that the, the, the polling suggests that there's a better chance of, of, of a yes response. Do you think when push comes to shove that it will go that way if it happens? Um, I think it might. I think, it'll, I think it will. I was going to say it'll be, it might be a lot closer. Um I think it probably would because there has been that there has been a change, and even in the demographics of the country. I mean, the, the support for independence among uh, young people is huge. I mean, it's mm. it's off the scale. So um, I think that would that would make a massive difference. And I think I, I honestly think that it doesn't really matter what Nicola Sturgeon does. Because the greatest, the greatest campaigning tool she has is Boris Johnson, um, and the sheer level of hatred for him up in Scotland makes it a very, very easy argument. And anyone that was swaying and weathering can look at Boris Johnson and just go, "Yeah, absolutely, I have dependence purely because of him." What if Rishi gets in though? Well, Rishi's a different. I don't know. I don't know much. I don't know what I think about Rishi. Um, that means you like him. I've learned that with left wingers. You're confused. He, he's like he's challenged your political sexuality, isn't he? He's a very. He's a very. St- I didn't know he's he's what, like five foot five. He's really short. Do you know um, Starmer as well? Five seven. Boris is five really? seven. Yeah, we got a real wow. generation of shorties on the front bench. Wow, because I've seen pictures of Sunak walking in to Commons with other politicians. And it generally lo- it looks like I take your child to work <laughs> If the, if there is a, an, an indie ref too, do you think we'll be treated to John Barrowman pulling out his Scottish accent again? Oh, I hope so. I really hope so. I just get a whole. Can you explain it for people? A lot of people won't know about. It. There was a, a video, wasn't there, of him talking about Alex Salmon? Yes, he did a he did a video uh, during the referendum where he's got this weird thing, John Barrowman, where he says, I mean, he, he readily admits to it as well, where he hmm. says that. If he's, if he's hanging around with his American family or friends, he'll speak American. Mm. But if he's around Scottish people, he suddenly reverts to this bizarre 
I mean, it's not even groundskeeper Willie-esque. It's like this. Really posh Scottish, isn't it? It's yeah. the weirdest. It's like Gerard Butler's got the same kind of thing mm. going on. Um, well, he sounds he's, he sort of tries to make himself seem Scottish in the clip. People should look it up. I don't know if he's on YouTube, but he sort of goes, hey, hey, on uh, Burns Night, we like to get together and we were talking uh, about, we've got a name for people like Alec of North, uh, uh, you weird tool. Or, he, uh, he says he says some Scottish word. Yeah. And, and it is like, it, there is, has there been an issue with democracy with, with celebrities making things worse for their own side? I would imagine so. Yeah, I mean that was that was I mean yeah, that, that almost swung it, didn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, but I remember because even even around about then, uh, Eddie Izzard came up to do a he did a couple of gigs. Yeah, I was part of the part of a couple of unionist gigs. Uh, I mean that I mean like unionist has a sort of resonance as a word, doesn't it? Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which you would never associate with. Yeah, no, well. uh, and and you know, like you know, it, it based on well, if he didn't know too much about it, if someone said to him, you know, Eddie, do you want to come and meet some of my unionist pals? Really? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fighting the good fight, right, Eddie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you have you just before we start winding up? Have you have you got in trouble for something you said? Because obviously you've been on breaking the news up in Scotland. You've done stuff on the BBC. Is, is anything that that surprised you the pushback it's got that you've said? Um, like politically, yeah, but just any any material. Uh, no. Oh god, yeah. I mean, I've had um, there's been there's been a couple of jokes. Uh, there was a joke I made years ago about it was it was during the summer, and I put like uh, that I was gutted that there was a hosepipe ban on because mm. I was planning on killing myself tonight, and uh, <laughs> it got a fucking horrendous reaction of people and then I had to explain to people look I was like look that like I genuinely suffer like I've got proper mental health problems that yeah. I've gone through I've gone through suicide so it's not like a it's not like I'm, I'm not I'm not making fun of anyone I'm making light of a situation that I know a lot about yeah and then uh, the other one was last year was it last year or was it two years ago because I, I, it was two years ago because I thought because I thought about retweeting it last year and I thought I just don't need the hassle again yeah and it was it was on Remembrance Sunday and uh, it was, I think the joke was, I was gonna, I was gonna remember, I was gonna use the poppy in my own way today by making heroin. And it was <laughs> something like that. That's and, a very Scottish joke, in fairness. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And the fucking backlash I got was unbelievable. Like there was people, people tried to get me banned from Facebook. I had a couple <laughs> of death threats. And then I had a lot of squaddies coming in and going, that's actually really, really funny. And then people going, no, it's not funny. It's not funny. My granddad died in the war. And they go, well, have you ever served yourself? No, well, I have, so fuck you. And it was it was mental, absolutely mental. And I had to explain to people, I was like, I'm, it's, I'm, I've not even mentioned fucking veterans here. What I am saying is that I think it's funny, the fact that the yeah. symbol for peace is the poppy. But it also makes heroin. That's the, like. I mean, like people, you know, people listening the, the trade secret. But when TV shows are on in and around poppy time, they have like buckets of poppies. Oh yeah, knocking yeah. about. So they kind of look at celebrities and think, oh, that's nice that they remembered. It goes, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, yeah. Would you, would you go, would you dare go on? Like, if you was going on telly on that day, would you dare go on about a poppy? Um, I don't know actually. I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd kind of... The problem is I'd, if everyone else is wearing it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't... 
And it's not even like I've, I've got any kind of... I've never thought about it. Like a Jed, it's, well, the thing it's is, if you did, it would be brought up, wouldn't it? They would dox yeah. you and they go, well, this just so you know, this is the same guy that shat yeah. on our heroes before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's generally something that I've never thought about in my life. It, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, make any difference to me whether people wear it. Well, there you go. There it is. Mark Nelson, Scottish pro <laughs> indie comic. Doesn't give a toss about poppies. Doesn't doesn't care. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go and post our dog shits with Captain Tom's letterbox after this. <laughs> Man, listen, it's been so great having you on. Do you know what That's I mean? Right. And uh, and really interesting, you know, to find out where you are with the, the the indie thing. And maybe we'll check in again at another time. Is there anything that I need to direct people onto you? Obviously, there's your social media. Any other stuff? Yeah, um, I don't know when this, when does this go out? Oh, probably tomorrow, I'll get it out. All probably. right, cool. Well, uh, this Saturday, we are restarting the Saturday Night Live at the Stand streams. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you can go on the Stand website or the Stand Comedy Club at YouTube, and they'll be on, on Saturday nights. Uh, so and, and you've had this great thing where people have been slating you. You're basically getting roasted by the punters. Yeah, people can heckle me as much as they want. Uh, so well, there you go. Like... You can listen to the podcast, and exactly. obviously, there'll be some of Mark's views you won't agree with. And you can really cause him problems in his workspace. And if you are yeah. an, an internet yeah. troll, that's got to be like fucking winning on the bingo, isn't it? Oh, God, yeah. I'm inviting you into my home to just yell at me now. So there's the stand live and anything else that we should. Uh... Um, I'm good. I'm doing my first tour next year as well from March. So uh, I'll put dates up about that. Uh, apart from that, no. Fuck it all, really. Get on the socials, get on your, follow Twitter. Very funny on Twitter, man. Highly recommended. And uh, listen, Mark Nelson, thanks very much for being on What Most People Think. Cheers, buddy. So there was the chat with Mark Nelson. And what a, just a, a really lovely bloke, a funny bloke. Uh, a proper, you know, like me, came up through the club circuit. And it was really interesting to hear, you know, where where he's at politically. Probably in a, a similar way to me, you know, starting to wonder about, you know, tribal issues and maybe trying to think of things on a more issue by issue basis. But uh, but yeah, definitely look Mark Nelson up and definitely go and see him on tour next year. Just going to do a couple of letters this week. This one is from Kevin, and he picked out some stats about like privilege and who does well out of which ethnic groups in societies. And uh, obviously, there was the news that white working class boys aren't doing that well. And maybe, maybe somebody in authority should perhaps look at that for a while. If you don't want a whole generation of like far right young men, um, white Irish people are the top of the pay league by over forty percent. Just, just let that fucking. I mean, I hate the word "let that sink in," but that. That's a surprise. I mean, I'm not saying that white, I'm not saying that white Irish people, like they would. There's no reason why they wouldn't be. I just don't think instinctively anybody would have said that they would be top. Uh, white British are fifth. Uh, young white British are fifth bottom. Uh, ethnic minority women earn more than white British women. They, I mean, this just feel like I'm trying to start a far right rally here, but I just think these stats, these stats are interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, these are these are surprising stats, and the reason I think that they're worth stating is because it's just when you get into the idea of privilege which is really an important concept because it does exist but the the way that it is applied so simplistically across class boundaries just ends up making people feel like they want to drop out of the the argument so i just thought those stats would be interesting to you i appreciate those from kevin but he he ends it i mean obviously kevin is he's making jokes himself 
Uh, he says, uh, while discrepancies exist, we are probably one of the fairest societies in the world. That is the sort of optimistic stuff I love. That is the most... That I, I'm totally on side with you here, Kevin. Let's, let's acknowledge the problems, but let's also acknowledge the successes. And he says, I'm contacting all my Irish friends to ask them to check their privilege. <laughs> Brilliant. What most people think. This letter is following up from a letter we had a couple of weeks ago, which was from a man, a very poor man, whose wife had, after seven years of marriage, started um, farting in front of him. And it's been a bit traumatic for the poor bloke, and he didn't really know how to how to uh, approach this difficult subject. So I've kind of asked for other husbands um, to, to share information about, you know, been married a while. We all know it's a bit difficult to bring up annoying habits with the ladies because they do go a bit nuclear, don't they? You know, they love to talk. They love to get things out in the open, but just not everything, right? You know, they'll go DEFCON 5 and you have to ask yourself, do I want this pain of having this discussion, right? So this is another, this is another Mr. Anonymous here. Um, he has a problem in his marriage. He's been married 12 years. And he says, Dear Jeff, one thing that really got me through this year is watching very manly television. Very manly television. I mean, that just, there's always that thing with manliness where you go, do you mean you're watching men having sex? I mean, that's, you know, there's a lot There's a lot of man in that. Uh, you watch Man in the High Castle. He's even watching things that have the word man in. Cobra Kai. And just recently, I started watching The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. My wife has decided to watch it with me. Decided. Okay. Was that her decision to make? I don't know. I feel bad, but I do not want her to do this. <laughs> she get, she keeps talking to me about it and getting the names wrong. Um, it reminds me of when my mum got confused with between a Mega Drive and a Game Boy. How do I tell her I don't want her to watch this show with me? Well, oh God. See, I feel for the missus here, she's gone like, yeah, it's 12 years you drifted apart. You, you probably fuck off, you know, upstairs and you're watching your weird shows, your violent shows, whatever it is, your nostalgia shows, right? And then you, and then she's going, can we maybe could watch this together? She's showing an interest. I don't want to get all feminist here, guys. She's showing an interest in what you're doing. Equally, I do think The Mandalorian is a very important viewing experience. This is a tricky one. What does Uncle Jeff say? I mean, I think that perhaps you do need to watch the first series of Mandalorian alone, like the Mandalorian himself. But then look, the Mandalorian, he also takes on the baby Yoda. So, and, and it's reluctant. And there is some sort of weird metaphor here between your life. It's reluctant, but ultimately, this is the way. And that is the most in, in Star Wars joke I'm ever going to do here. But I do find it funny. I just like her talking to you, because obviously she's asking questions, right? The greatest women in the world, they're asking questions, aren't they? In the first minutes of a film or a TV show. What's that? Why is they... Why is he doing that? Are those the, the Jiwas? Are those the Jiwas? No, Jawas, babe. Jawas. Oh, sorry, Jawas. And he, he's a Mandalorian. Is, is he a superhero? No, he's not. He's a superhero. They're a race of people, babe. You just, you know, watch it. And who, who's that guy? Who's, was he, he wasn't in the original films. No, some of the characters are, are new to this. Some of them are. It's kind of a, a blend. I didn't see him in the original films. No, just as I said, some, you know, there's a mix of new and older characters. Well, I thought I'd see the film. Yeah, well, you know, so did I. But let's just let's just take the Star Wars we have rather than the Star Wars. We... Do you know what, babe? Can you not be watching Selling Sunset or something? Um, look, you have to. Your marriage is more important. I know it's only marginal, but your marriage is more important than you watching Mandalorian. So I think in this one, you might just have to wear it. My hunch is when season two drops at the end of this month, she won't be across it. And I'm afraid you're probably going <laughs> to have to hole up in the Travelodge. And watch that yourself. And then watch the next series with her 
like you haven't watched the first series and, and just basically <laughs> live the most pathetic lie that's ever been lived in any marriage. That is the end of this week's show. We just got a few £3 patrons to shout out here. Who have we got? We've got Daryl, Dan Daryl Flynn. Dan Farrell Flynn. That sounds like a film star from the 1920s. You know, one of those guys that you find out he died of syphilis. <laughs> I've really got to stop slating people that, that are, you know, become my patrons. Dan Farrell Flynn, got Paul Inman and uh, Stuart Stoneham. Good name, Stuart. Always with the alliterations, man. They always work. Do you know Stuart Stoneham? Stuart Stoneham? Yeah, no, he's, uh, he just got out. <laughs> I'm not saying you're like that, Stuart. You're an upstanding member of the community. Uh, this, so these are reviews. You had a few last week. Uh, this one says, best episode yet. Well, cool. Uh, been listening for six months. This week was arguably the best episode yet. Great political analysis. This is a problem. I spunked on my political analysis last week. I didn't have anything left. Sharp pop culture references. Thoughtful men's health, men's mental health, and a disarming variety of regional accents. I laughed out loud several times, and I still spend all day muttering, Kirstama. Um, this is also another review from Eddie Rain. Eddie Rain, fabulous, intelligent humour, week after week. Thank you. Cheers, Eddie. Uh, this is from Carrie Bembo. So it started with a Google search that took me to a Twitter post with a podcast link, and the rest is history. Jeff is just a tonic to my day gin drinking. Lovely bit of language there. Tonic, gin, she's got it all going on. Uh, enjoyable, interesting, and funny. Keep up the good work. Look, I will keep it up. You, lo- you like it? I'll do it. Let's keep this thing going. Fears for tears. Brilliant. I would love to hear both you and Alastair Williams get your teeth into this bullshit. Um, we had Alastair on. I don't know if you've checked. Uh, on an older episode. Uh, this is from the only Tinners. All right, Tinners. How's it going, Tinners? Anyway, I know we should avoid echo chambers, but recently it's been great to know I'm not banging my head against a brick ball on my own. Now the pod is great, and your show in Worthing was fantastic, but I'm mostly here to see what job Jeff thinks I do based on my name. Well, your name says, uh, oh, Matthew Tinnerly. Matthew Tinnerly. That is, I reckon you do something, I reckon like a weird, like a highly skilled but really rare job, like a taxidermist. Matthew Tinley, like you, taxidermist to the stars. Hi, um, is, is this Matthew Tinley? Yeah, sorry, my um, I was given your I was given your name by Stephen Mulhern. <laughs> oh, I must be miles out with that. Uh, Sid sixty one. Uh, a lot of cockneys in the names this week. Uh, brilliant. Which almost said it all, but the title really does. I love it. The older men they just communicate in. Um, I, I'm guessing with a name like Sid, you're older, right? Um, and this is from the Fat Grey Biker. Found him on the Rash, Mash Report. Oh no, we read this review out last week. So Sid brings it in for this week. And I hope you uh, enjoyed the chat. And I really hope that next week, that the Tory party don't do obvious stuff that's going to make them unpopular, that the Labour Party aren't mouthing the word scum, and that the Liberal... Oh, d- yeah, oh, I mean, they're not going to do anything, are they?